listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about novelizations of movies, interviewing Trayvall Anderson, and giving advice on bookish dating. How cute. Ooh, but first, Bria, what are you reading? I just finished a book of a guest who's coming on the show in a couple of weeks, but I wanted to shout it out because I liked it a lot. It's a Nice Edge by Liz Karen. So it doesn't come out until June, and which is soon. That's right around the corner, but you can pre-order it if you want. Um, and you should. You know, it was on Mallory when we did our Books We're Looking Forward To episode. It was one of mine because I was like, oh, I, I, I know Liz. I was in a writing retreat with Liz. So I was curious about it. Um, this is maybe one of my favorite books of the year. I was just telling you right before we started. It is about a woman named Mia and her mother, when she's very young, right, like 10 years old, gets turned into a vampire. And she, but it's in oh, this, shit. and it gets like, the whole world, there's vampires like walking among us, but everyone hates them. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> everyone hates the vampires. Um, everyone hates those vampires. Interestingly, they're called Sarah's, which I think is very relevant to our show. What? Isn't that funny? Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, there's literally like, uh, you can't go, like, you, there's these testers that test if you're a vampire, you can't go into like certain establishments and uh, business establishments and stuff like that. But when her mom first gets turned, she has to kind of become an adult really fast. And now we meet her in her 20s, and it's sort of this coming of age slash like um, uh, like a queer coming of age, actually. Um, also, like her realizing that she's in this codependent, abusive relationship with this mother. And it's it's funny because like I expected this book to be light for some reason. I don't know why because I was like, oh, it's about this daughter. The way it's described is like, oh, it's this daughter who like has to deal with her mother. She's a vampire. And I don't, I don't know, but it's not. It's very serious. It's quite dark. Uh, trigger warnings for abuse, for codependence, for um, uh, all sorts of things that I think are very, um, it's dark. It's very dark in a way that I felt really compelled to finish this book. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And it's goes back and forth to when she's a child to now, like now when she's trying to like figure out how to deal with her mom or possibly get, you know, move out, move away from her mother who really depends on her because her mom is a vampire and she can't really do anything without her. And they have this relationship like sisters because now they're almost the same age. And I, I don't know, it's a, it was a great book. I really enjoyed it. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? I am also reading a book that I think might be on my best of the year. And we have our best books of the year so far episode coming up next month. So starting to fill those slots. Wow. Uh, but it's a one of my very highly anticipated books. It's Silver Nitrate by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And it's coming out mid-July. You should pre-order it now. I was just telling Bria, I think it's my favorite book of hers since Mexican Gothic. Uh, and when I tell you about it, you will understand because it's very much my shit. Um, it takes place in the 90s in Mexico City. And it's about this woman and she's a sound editor. And the place where she works is definitely a boys club. And she's always having to claw her way to get anything. And all the guys are really shitty to her. And she has this best friend, this guy. They've been best friends since they were very little. And he is a actor and he used to be on soaps and be like, this handsome like guy that was always on the covers of magazines, but something bad happened to him. And so they both kind of like fallen into this rut together and 
her best friend moves into this apartment building and they find out that one of their favorite cult directors lives in the same building. They're both Mm. really into movies. She's really obsessed with horror movies. So she knows everything about this guy. And this director is kind of surprised that these two youngins like know all this director is like in his seventies and he hasn't worked in a really long time. And he's kind of surprised that these two people know, have seen all of his movies and are big fans of him. So he's like very excited to invite them over for drinks and for dinner. And once they start to get to know him and he, he uh, starts to open up to them. He tells them that the last, like he has this movie that never got finished uh, his last horror film. And it's sort of, sort of become like this cult legendary film because it was never finished. And there was all these like weird rumors about it. And he tells them that the, it, it didn't get finished and it, it has cursed him because the screenwriter was like a Nazi, a cult leader and uh he starts telling them all this stuff about this movie and ask them in exchange for something i won't tell you what uh they if they he wants them to help him complete the the cycle of this spell in this movie oh wow if they like help finish the film that it will end this curse and all all these great things will happen to them uh (laughs) turns out doesn't exactly work like that. We all know what happens when you try Don't to help anyone try to... into curse. This is always a bad, <laughs> bad plan. Uh, yes, and uh, all sorts of spooky stuff starts happening. So there's like a cult. There's curses. There's magic. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff about horror movies and film. It's just a really fun. Um, thrilling horror book. I really, really enjoyed it. It's not super scary. I would give this a one chili. Okay. Single chili. Okay. Um, but it's coming out in July, and I really think you should check it out. It's fantastic. It's Silver Nitrate by Sylvia Marina Garcia. And mine is uh, Night's Edge by Liz Karen. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Nicholas wrote in with a extremely hot newsletter tip that we didn't know. So we had said uh, recently on the show that we do not have the ability to send out past newsletters to people. That's but right. It turns out. You have the ability to get them yourself. Oh. Uh, Nicholas says, hi, Brian Mallory. I just listened to the latest episode and wanted to chime in with a hot newsletter tip. There is N- Nicholas didn't say that. I'm saying <laughs> Uh There's actually an archive of the newsletter. It goes back to October 2021 and is available at this link. I'll put it in the show notes. Wow. Another way to get it is just clicking on the link at the top of the newsletter to open it in your browser. At the top of the newly opened web page, you'll find a past issues button leading to the archive. <laughs> anyway, I hope this will help a few people. Love the show and thank you for giving good bookish vibes every week. So yeah, we can't send it out, but people can do it for themselves. Listen, we read books. We don't do tech, okay? So don't ask us about tech questions thank you nicholas we need someone to just answer these questions for us well i mean we weren't wrong you know we we we're not able to this is not something that we can do on our end but people can do it yes but i'm glad this is nicholas you're a champion thank you very much definitely Brittany wrote in and said, Dear Brian Mallory, I'm writing to report some hot book news from the San Jose airport. Wow. Ooh. I've never heard of any hot news coming from the San Jose airport ever. <laughs> I uh, almost just spit out my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> While racing through the terminal to buy a mediocre bagel, I noticed a sign for the San Jose Public Library, which had a QR code for anyone to download four ebooks through the library. Picture attached. Uh, we can uh, uh, post this picture. I've never seen anything like this before, so I had to share it with you and all the glasses. So next time you're flying through San Jose and are short on reading material, 
you too can take advantage of this awesome service. Love the show, and thanks for all you do for the bookish community. Wow, that's so cool. Thank you, San Jose Public Library. Always coming in clutch. That's so cool. What What a reason to fly through San Jose. That's a great reason. You're like, I paid $600 extra to get a layover in San Jose (laughs) just just so I can get these books. Uh Uh, Tim wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is... uh, So Tim wrote in and asked us if we could make personalized wheelhouse shirts which would be currently impossible which, oh, with cute, the way though. that our merch it's a cute great idea. idea but i don't think it, it the way that our merch store works it's not we don't have we're not able to self like people can't like personalize stuff and then get it printed uh this would be a really fucking cool idea for a shirt though yeah um and tim's wheelhouse that he says i that i would 100 percent want and buy shirts for is cosmic horror friendship horror usually ya friendship and love uh defeating evil uh haunted houses unreliable narrators near future sci-fi grounded fantasy slice of life fantasy actors memoirs micro histories thanks to lady from the black lagoon Aww, Thank you, Tim. that's nice if we're ever to, ever able to do that, that would be cool as shit. I would wear my own wheelhouse as a shirt. Uh, I mean, I yeah. Just, I, I guess I should just get a haunted house t-shirt. Yours would just say books uh, and books and books and books. Like it'd be like a shirt <laughs> that just said that over and over again. <laughs> so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And all right, folks, big announcements we got a lot of news and announcements and dates for things so get ready first off we want to say we are having the new member zoom party for all of our maximum fund members on june 2nd at 6 p.m pacific time so that is a zoom party for all our maximum fund members new and uh i don't want to say old (laughs) because but new and veteran alike um uh, I will be putting a link to it in the Slack channel. So if you're in the already in the Slack, don't worry. I'll be putting the the um, invitation there. But if you are not part of the Slack channel and you want to go to the Zoom party, email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com and we will send you an invitation. It's going to be really fun. There'll be breakout rooms for different genres. So you can hang out and meet people and give out book recommendations and talk about books. Super, super fun. And we are also finally doing our live Monster Prom Twitch stream that is happening on May 27th at noon Pacific time. That's May 27th at noon Pacific time. That is two days from when this podcast comes out. So if you're listening to this when it drops on Thursday, May 25th, two days from now, this Saturday, we are doing our live Monster Prom stream. I will put a link in the show notes to our Twitch channel If you are hanging out on Saturday and you want to watch me and Bria together in the same place playing Monster Prom, it's going to be really, really fun. You want to get in on that. Again, there's going to be a link in the show notes that this this Saturday, noon Pacific time. And then other news, my fucking book came out this week, Bria. (laughs) My book came out on Tuesday. It is Thursday. I am launching it tomorrow at Skylight Books in Los Angeles with my co-creator, Jen Vaughn. It is a kid-friendly event. Please bring your kids. We're going to be talking about movies and comics and books and creativity and making stuff. I'm really, really excited for it. It's 7 o'clock. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. This is currently the only place and time that you can get your book signed by me and Jen together Uh, because Jen is currently working in France. Uh, She came over specifically for this. She's a very fancy video game uh, making person and I'm very excited that they've flown all the way over here to do this event with me. I can't wait. Maybe you'll see Miss Brie Grant there as well. Maybe. Uh, 
It's going to be really, really fun. I'm very excited. And if you can't come, if you're not in Los Angeles, hey, please buy the book. I'm really, really proud of what me and Jen made. And if you have any kids in your life that like movies and making stuff, this is the perfect book for them. Bria, do you have any bookmarks? I had a quick bookmark. Um, if you follow me on Instagram or you follow any of your favorite TV writers on any sort of social media, TV or film writers, you might know the WGA is on strike. Um, and yeah. if you um, want to know more about that or want to support it, please follow um, the WGA on Instagram. Go to the WGA website. There are updates. Uh, they are really good about updating the website and um, Instagram. And I assume Twitter. I'm not on that. I have no idea. But they're good about updating their social media, about letting you know what is going on with us, um, you know, if we need your help with anything or if there's just ways you can help. Like, the way you can help right now is to just repost a thing that says, I support the WGA. Like, let them know uh, that you support writers and you have shows that you like and you'd like those shows to come back because we're striking and we're not coming back until we get what we want. So you want your shows back? You want your movies back? You're going to have to support the strike. Um, and uh, Reading glass and Glasses listeners are... At literally experts at supporting writers. That's you right. all know what to do. That's right. That's right. And the things that the WGA are asking for, are, that we're asking for, um, you can go look at all of that. There's been all sorts of um, releases about it. But just from uh, your pal Bria, I will say that um, it ain't a lot. It's not a lot considering nope. how much these people are making, how much these companies are making. So mm -hmm. um, when you see us out there um, striking, when you see us out there picketing, uh, give us a like. Pass on the news, say, hey, I support the WGA strike. And, you know, as things progress, we may need you more. We may need something else for you, and we will let you know. Hell yeah. So before we talk about movie novelizations, speaking of movie stuff, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by our friends over at Dipsy. Are you hardcore into romance and erotica? Maybe I shouldn't use the word hardcore when it comes to romance and erotica, but maybe you read a ton of it and you love it and you're always looking for your next story, your next author, something new to check out, or maybe you are very curious about erotica and romance, but you have no idea where to start. You don't know what you like. You don't know what tropes are going to be appealing to you. Well, Dipsy has you covered. What is Dipsy? It is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women and we love that it is radically inclusive. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of their stories are voice acted by people of color. They also have soothing sleep stories and wellness sessions and sexy stories that you can read and not listen to, so they really have you covered on all fronts. It is such a great app. Me and Bria love this. It is truly made for people who love erotica and romance. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash glasses. So that's dipsystories.com slash glasses. Glasses. I'm glad you said that because nobody says that. Can I just say thank you to you for such a thoughtful interview? Oh my God, yeah, I think you nailed it. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. Listen to the Bullseye podcast only from NPR and Maximum Fun.
This week, we're talking about novelizations. We've had many discussions about books that get adapted to the screen, but what about when movies and video games get adapted into a book? Are these worth checking out? We're getting into it. So first off, what is a novelization? It is when the plot of a movie, a TV series, a video game, etc., gets turned into a novel. Most of them have a cover that is similar to the movie poster and are very clearly marked as novelizations. So right. it's like the novelization of the Oscar-winning film, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but not to be confused when, like, uh, I know when Knock at the Cabin came out that, you know, you have the tie-in cover, right? That's different. A tie-in cover is different yes. than a novelization. But if a movie comes out based on a book, they also sometimes change the cover. But this is just straight up, here was this movie, and now here's the book version. Not the other way around. Yeah, this is when a movie a movie comes out and it does well and they want to get more money out of the IP and they hire a writer yeah. to take the script and turn it into a book. Right. And it seems like something that would have been modern, but these have existed for over 100 years. As soon as movies existed, Wild. people were like, wow, can we get more mileage out of this intellectual property by adapting <laughs> it to the page? Uh, like there was a 1933 version of King Kong that that was novelized based on the, Amazing. On, on the movie. Yeah. So cool. So lots of movies and shows and video games get novelizations. And nowadays, you can be sure that any big franchise has one. Novelizations can be a great way to delve deeper into the world of a movie that you loved and see more of the characters. If you get out of a film and you're like, wow, I really love that and I want to know more about those characters, this is for you. Now, are we ourselves novelization readers? Bria, have you ever read one? I have not. Um, okay, this is a side note because we just did a um, an episode on fan fiction and it feels akin to that in some ways, you know, I guess the major difference. It's just official fan fiction. It's official fan fiction, traditionally published, this kind of a retelling. And then I went down this path where I was like, wait, is a novelization a retelling? I don't think it is because retelling usually has some other element when we're retelling, yeah. when it is being retold. Either way, I've weirdly never read a, no uh, a novelization. Um, but I could see the interest, you know, your favorite movie. You're like, I would like to read it. I would like to not watch it again. I want to consume it in some other way. You can read it. I, I totally see the appeal of it. Uh, but if personally, I don't think I've ever read one myself. I was thinking about someone who wrote in, Mallory, about, was it the E.T. novelization? Yes. I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> who thought, who <laughs> had, like, it. never liked novelizations or never even thought of one and then read the E.T. one and was like, this is the greatest this piece is great of literature. literature. And like kept trying to move it into like literary, like into the literary fiction section of various bookstores. Um, what about you? Are you reading novelizations out there? Not of movies. And I have a okay. very ridiculous reason for it. It's because of spoilers. <laughs> oh, because it's already been spoiled or you're scared it's going to Yeah, you I know I way. hate a spoiler and I cannot bring myself to read a book when I know most of, if not all of the plot already. Mm -hmm. I just have a really hard time with it. You know, and I've definitely considered it, especially for movies I really love. Uh, especially Guillermo del Toro movies. Crimson Peak has a novelization. The Shape of Water has a novelization. Um, I own a vintage copy of the novelization of the original Conan oh, cool. the Barbarian movie because that's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, but that's just for display. I used to have it like displayed on like a little like book stand. Uh, but Love I never that. read it. Um, hmm. Now, could we be tempted to read novelizations? I mean, the weird thing about me is that I rarely watch a movie twice. Almost never. So I do like for research sometimes or if it's been like 10 years. So reading a book that is about the movie I just watched, it's not that tempting to me. I can see why people do it. But for me, like and what my habits are, I generally will would not be interested. 
What about you? Now, even though I am not tempted by movie novelizations, I am tempted by video game novelizations. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Totally different animal for me. I think it's because even though when you know, you're getting the general beats of a story in a video game, obviously most of the video game is the gameplay. So with some games like World of Warcraft, which I play all the time, uh, it is very easy to skip a lot of the story if you don't want to. Like you can just skip through all the quest uh um not dialogue but i guess you can skip through the dialogue too but all the um quest text yeah sure uh, and just like play um so and i actually own some of the work warcraft books um including shadows rising by friend of the show madeline rue um there's lots of video games i would read the shit out of um a novelization of i would love a middle grade novelization of the game death's door uh my boyfriend has been playing this switch game called dredge where like you play a, a a simple fisherman and you get hired to go out and fish for things but in this particular area you can only you're not allowed to fish at night or spooky stuff happens and you start like fishing up weird stuff well then why is he fishing at night no you're not allowed to fish at night okay but sometimes you get stuck out there oh spooky okay stuff happens um i would totally read a novelization yeah, of that. that sounds, sounds cool. amazing um you know because there's a lot of people who watch walkthroughs or video games mm-hmm. on youtube just to get the story could just read a novelization yeah that's true and you get even more about how many video games you think have novelizations quite a lot of them i would venture to say most big ones um both death's door and dredge the ones i was just talking about are indie games so they probably don't have novelizations but like i there's novelizations of the halo games uh dead space yeah 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 yeah. Um, i didn't know that yeah 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 are there are there call i'm sure there's call of duty novelizations for all the dads out there to read (laughs) Like some Clancy Brown. I have not looked not into Clancy that. Clancy Brown. Tom Clancy, not Clancy Brown. Clancy Tom Brown. Cl- Don't disparage Clancy Brown. He's a national treasure. I know. Oh, my God. I saw Clancy Brown once on the New York City subway, and I was so starstruck, and I st- said nothing. Um, but, yeah, I think video, for me, again, movies not super interested in because of the spoilers, but video games I could like, be really, really into. Um, and I know that there's novelizations of, like, plays i'm trying to think of other t- i can't think of too many novelizations of tv shows but there have to there have to be some i'm sure i'm sure i haven't looked into it either but that's interesting i would like to hear from people who are reading them and what some of their favorites are because that that because yeah. you and i are so not versed in that it would be good to know yeah let us know your favorite novelizations you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com uh before we interview Trayvell anderson about their new book we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Pear Eyewear. Folks, we all love to express ourselves. Maybe you dye your hair, you wear cool jewelry, you wear certain colors. How about you express yourself with your glasses? With Pear Eyewear, you can switch up your style in a snap with affordable base frames and magnetic top frames starting at just $25. Okay, so you're like, what is Pear? What is this? I don't understand. So these are glasses that you buy that already are very cute. And then you get these top frames that attach to them by magnets and you can change out them every 
five minutes if you want. Different colors, different patterns. I, at first, was like, why would I need to change my glasses? I I just wear them every day. And then I was looking at the Pear Eyewear website. Well, me and Bria were looking at them together, and Bria was like, Mallory, they have NHL eyewear. And I was like, excuse me? Turns out I can get, and I got, I ordered it, a Capitals Hockey topwear frame for my pair eyewear. I am so excited. I also got um, a skull and flowers print. I got a sunglasses top frame so you can just pop your top frames on when you walk out into the sun, which I'm so excited about. I wear glasses, as you know, and sometimes it's very frustrating when I'm walking around with my prescription sunglasses and then I walk into a store and I have to be like, oh no, time to put on my indoor glasses. This, you can just pop them on and off real quick. Amazing. And if you're just getting started, you can get multiple looks for less than $100. That includes your prescription. They have a virtual try-on that lets you experiment with every base frame from the bold Wanda Cat Eye, which is the one I got, to the round vintage Soto. So there's all sorts of shapes for you to try. Don't worry, it's not just like one one style of glasses. There are multiple, and for every pair you buy, Pear provides glasses to a child in need. So you can bring more color into your world this spring with Pear Eyewear. You go to peareyewear.com slash glasses for 15% off your first purchase. That's Pear, P-A-I-R, eyewear.com slash glasses glasses hey i'm dan mccoy i'm Stuart wellington and i'm elliot kalen listen you like podcasts right sure you do don't try and lie to me you're listening to one right now so why not try a different one called r1 the flop house uh-huh and on the flop house we watch a movie and talk about it and then sometimes we also do other stuff It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not Our One, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse, a lot of correcting Dan. So here we are with Trevelle Anderson. How's it going today? It's going all right. How's it going with you? Great. I I was telling people, I was telling you off air um, that I'm a big fan of your show, What a Day, which I should probably ask a question about. But first, I'm going (laughs) to ask the most important reading glasses question. What are you reading? What am I reading? So obviously, I just wrote my book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. And I'm currently rereading the biography of a black trans woman from back in the day. Her name was the Lady Shibley. It's called Hiding My Candy, the autobiography of the Grand Empress of Savannah. Oh, Um, And I read it in the course of writing the book. And for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I need to revisit that. So that's what I'm reading right now. Oh, I love that. That sounds amazing. Okay, so can you tell our listeners a little bit about your new book, We See Each Other? Yes, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. It is part history of trans images on screen and part memoir. So I kind of take a little bit of my own personal gender story and talk about some of the films, some of the moments in culture as it relates to, you know, gender play in culture or transgender characters and aesthetics in culture and weave them together um, in what I hope is a a very educational but enjoyable experience for the reader. 
It absolutely is. Everyone should go get it right now. It's a wonderful book. I enjoyed it so much. I sat down to read it and I was like, I'll just read a few chapters. And I made my way through that whole book. It was so great. Oh, wow. It was wonderful. And it's so interesting that you combined memoir and Hollywood history in this way that I don't think I've read much like this before. And I do a book podcast, so that's definitely saying something. <laughs> um, uh, so why did you decide to weave your personal narrative into this book about history? Or was it you were writing a book about history and you decided to weave your personal narrative? Like, how did that come about? And was it a difficult process deciding what to pick and choose? Yeah, so the original idea for the book was something that was, you know, more comprehensive in terms of like the history of trans images on screen, kind of taking like a purely academic or like clinical, you know, approach to to this history. Um, and then in the course of writing that at the beginning, it just, it didn't feel right. You know, it just, it didn't feel like me. Um, you listen to What A Day, so you know that I, I love personalizing a story, you know? That's what I love about it. That's what I love about, about it. It's such a great show. And so I love personalizing a story. And then it just, it just felt kind of more relevant to personalize these narratives, um, especially considering like where we are in the conversation around trans visibility. I've been a journalist for the last decade and, and in that same decade, right? We're experiencing the most visibility we have as a community while at the same time being kind of the most vulnerable as a community that we've been. And so it just felt important to bring that to bear in this Hollywood history as well. And, you know, it was difficult insofar as, you know, I think <laughs> I think my way of thinking about things isn't necessarily the most logical, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and so crafting, try to, trying to put together a, a narrative, a story, a history that follows how I naturally see things, but is also digestible to people who aren't inside, you know, this wonderful world of a mind <laughs> that I have. That was probably the most difficult thing because as, as you know, I open up each chapter with a personal story, but then I mm -hmm. jump to some, you know, Hollywood history, talking about films, doing some film criticism. Then I jump back to my personal story. It's, it's a little bit all over the place, but I do think that it you know, once you give of yourself to the journey that I try to take you on, I think it's an interesting one. I think it's very interesting. And I think the way that you weave in your story, I, th I think it really works. It really works in a way that was really compelling to me. Um, Success. So, so, yes, you did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this part really hit me. Um, and this is, I think, one of the thesis, theses, theses, don't mm -hmm. know of All your of book. Um, yeah, uh huh. Um, um, you said a better question than when you first. When was the first time you saw yourself on screen? Is what depiction on screen has held you the best and the longest? And mm. that really hit me. I thought that was such beautiful writing and a great way to approach this book and this question. Um, this is a book podcast, so I want to ask you that question in regards to literature. Are, what depictions in books have held you the best and the longest? Mm. Um, I think I would probably, I'm gonna, gonna go back a number of years, um, to this, uh, book by James Earl Hardy called B-Boy Blues. Oh, yeah. Um, it was adapted into a film that's on BET Plus right now, last year, I believe. 
Um, but it's like considered the first gay hip hop love story. Um, because at the time that it came out, right, it was depicting these two black boys at the time in love, kind of exploring, you know, that first love type story that everyone else has. And I remember reading it. I didn't actually read it, to be clear, until I was in college. Um, but I remember reading it and it kind of just filling in so much for me that I was like looking for when I uh, was younger. So James Earl Hardy, B-Boy Blues comes to mind. Um, and then I love a memoir. I'm, I'm a memoir girl through and through. Um, and so uh, Akweke Amazis, uh, mm -hmm. Dear Sinthurin, I believe it's how you pronounce it, um, is a book that they came out with a couple years ago um, that really, I was really t taken aback by just how they depicted their journey in the publishing industry, their journey as, as what they call an embodied God, um, working through and moving through spaces to try to be their fully unfolded self. That really resonated with, with me and kind of where, where I am right now. I have to pick that up. I've read their fiction, but I haven't read that. So I, oh, it's I so good. That up. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, so you also discuss the complicated nature of projects of yesteryear, as you call them, uh, that have had a cultural impact. This is something we actually talk a lot about on our, on our show, about pop culture and books and media that we loved growing up that really like affected us and made us who we are, but maybe didn't mm -hmm. age well or the creators turned out to be awful people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so any advice on this for folks who love something for its cultural or personal impact, but have trouble with how it feels in today's landscape? Yeah, well, so I would first say that, you know, this is a perfect plug for one of my podcasts, Fanti, where yes. we, we kind of have these conversations, right, every week about the yes. people, places, and things that you love, that you're huge fans of, but also have, a, you know, some anti-feelings toward, <laughs> right? It can get very complex and complicado. And I would say that my advice for folks is to lean into that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think we should run away from that complexity because then we do ourselves a disservice and we do like art and creation a disservice by you know you know either uh doing away with something altogether right or ignoring you know the 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 perhaps unsavory or not so great parts that come to mind um i think it's important for us to be able to look at things with like a complex nuanced lens um, because we des we deserve that, right? As complex human beings, we deserve to also be able to like wrestle with and grapple with things. Um, and I think you come to make the decision for yourself from there, right? But like, you know, I, in the book, I talk about a number of images of trans folks in media that are not great, but right. many trans folks really enjoy or yeah. really love, <laughs> you know, like it just is what it is. And like, you can have, you can have a soft spot for something and also take a critical eye at it at the same time. I love that advice. Very great advice. So finally, we love to ask people, what is your reader wheelhouse, which is like something that makes you pick up a book, you see it, a book is about this, or has this and you pick it up no matter what you're like, I'm gonna read that book. Ooh. Oh, well, like I said earlier, I'm a memoir type of girl, but specifically mm -hmm. like 
Black Hollywood, Black actresses. Like, I want to read all of their stories. Cicely Tyson's book, I picked that up. I didn't eat... I did not even <laughs> have to, you know, imagine. I was like, oh, she's coming out with a book, pre-order. It'll <laughs> yeah. come. You know, it's just, I'm that person. Viola Davis's book, mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Lewis, oh, Jennifer Lewis's book, The Mother of Black Hollywood, My God, Today. If you can do the <laughs> audio book for it, y'all. Oh, yes. She reads it herself. And if you know anything about Jennifer Lewis, she is, you know, your favorite Black grandmother, Black auntie. Um, and it's just so good. So My Wheelhouse, it is a Black Hollywood actress memoir. Shout out to Gabrielle Unions as well, both mm-hmm. of her books. Um, that's kind of my wheelhouse. I'll pick up any of those. I love that. So, um... Where can listeners find you? You have multiple podcasts going. You just announced a new podcast. And where can people (laughs) find your book? Yes. So you mentioned What A Day. It's a daily news podcast. Check us out. Also, Fanti comes out every Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. Um, And then the new podcast I just mentioned is based on the book. It's called We See Each Other, the podcast, um, in which I'm having, you know, complex and complicated conversations about trans visibility with my co-host, Shar Jossel. And for all other details, about the fabulous world of Trayvell Anderson. You can <laughs> follow me on social media. You can check out at Slayjohn, S-L-A-Y-Z-H-O-N on Instagram. And I'm at TrayvellAnderson.com. Yay, okay. Thank you for coming on the show, Trayvell. Thank you. Now let's answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Donna writes in, Hi, Brian Mallory, big Reading Glasses fan. I just wanted to ask about books as litmus tests for relationships. I love Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie so much that I make potential dates read it in order to determine whether or not they are worth dating. <laughs> it works pretty well and weeds out people who are not big readers. What are your thoughts? Bria, what do you think? First of all, I have a lot of questions. Same. Uh, same. Donna, how are you doing this? Is this in your Tinder profile? It's like totally willing to go out with you. Just read Ancillary Justice first. So like I have to know how you're accomplishing this. Or yes. is it that you're talking to someone and you're like, great, let's meet on Monday. Before we meet, though, here's a copy of Ancillary Justice. Um, okay, so I, I'm going to talk from my perspective, but then I think actually – if this is what you want to do, I'm I, I'm not judging. You, listen, you, you do what you want to do. Your standards are your standards. And I, if the person needs to have read Anne Leckie, that's fine. I'm going to say I don't tend to date people who are into the exact same stuff as I am into. Um, uh, this is a uh, side note. Mallory is the person who's the most into the things that she is into. So I feel like you're going to have a different answer than me. <laughs> Um, like you are the most fan of the things you are fans of. Number one fan. Um, uh, I loved Ancillary Justice. I cannot imagine my husband reading it. Um, but if this is what's important to you, I think it's an interesting litmus test to, you know, to see if someone maybe has the same interest in you. But what I will say is that like, if my husband, when we first started dating was like, had a similar test and he was like, I can only date someone who listens to Captain Beefheart. I'd be like, no. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to Captain Beefheart. In fact, I would say a good half of the music he listens to, I find entirely too spooky. It's too scary. <laughs> <laughs> but he loves it. So um, I'm going to say, here's, here's the test. that Here's what I think is important. Are they willing to try? 
Like, that feels like the move to me. Like, so maybe if they're willing to try, that means that they, one, they like you a lot. And two, they're up for trying shit you're into. So when you are two years, three years, four years into the relationship and you're like, I got to try a cooking class or whatever the thing you're into, they're like, I love you and I'm going to try this thing also, even though it's something I'm not super into, which is, you know, 90% of what a relationship is. Well, but you and John share the most important thing is that you both like pets. (laughs) We do both like animals a lot. Um, That's true. I'm just going to say, if they don't like it, I don't know if it's a huge deal as much as if they tried to read it for you because you're like, this is the most important book in my life. You know, and like, just there are things, you know, there are books that Mallory likes. Mallory's an important person in my life. I'm going to try them. If Mallory's like, this is my favorite, although I haven't ever read Lonesome Dove, which I maybe just completely... People have been messaging us about they are reading it on our Instagram so much. Um, I just like I'm willing to try things because I like the people in my life but I mm-hmm. have very specific taste and there's a lot of things I have in common with some of the people I've dated that um, you know weren't necessarily our books I think I have like such specific book I mean again Ancillary Justice great fucking book I would love <laughs> if people loved that book but I would say most of the people I've dated probably wouldn't have liked it but they would be cool with me explaining the entire plot to them which is that's I'm part of my relationship uh, like like standards so I, the long story long what I'm trying to say is I think you can do whatever you want when you're dating you should set your standards however you want Donna this is your life you only get to date for this life and you better pick someone good when you're dating. Um, but <laughs> I think that, yeah, if they try it, I'd also give them bonus points. You know, like Donna, if we're going out and I read it and I'm like, I did try it. I only got through the first few chapters. I see why you like it, but not for me. I think that that's like, also I tried to read it because I like you and that's the important thing. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Mallory. I totally agree. Okay, great. Okay. Because, like, what if someone well, didn't, so like, now I do wanna, didn't like David Lynch? What if so you no. <laughs> It's funny because me and my boyfriend, Jeremy, are almost the exact same person. I we know. have very similar tastes. I we know. Ha- we're, like, our birthdays are a week apart. We're, like, very, very similar. Um, but, we, I mean, we do have differences, and there's things that, like, I, like, Jeremy doesn't like powerlifting. <laughs> but he very, he's very, very supportive of me. And, you know, I don't paint Warhammer figurines, but I'm very supportive of him sitting in his office for six hours and, like, sure. wearing a wrist brace and painting little dwarves. Um, so I, I want to say off the top, we have done a whole episode b- before about how readers don't necessarily have to date other readers. And, in fact, there can be a lot of perks to dating a non-reader. That being said, I understand if you are dating, specifically if you are on the apps, if you're on Tinder, if you're on Hinge, mm. if you're on Bumble, and you are searching around for like some sort of metric to sort people out. Cause there's a lot of fucking people on Tinder and Bumble and you're looking for some kind of something uh-huh. to, you know, like, you know, cast out there to like, you know, just to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not sort, but filter is really mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Books is not necessarily a bad way to do it. And if books and reading are wicked important to you, I totally understand why you would want to find someone who understands that. Yeah. When I was on Tinder and Bumble, that was my opening line was, have you read anything good lately? Right. Just because it's what I like to talk about. I think it's a great conversation starter. Um, and t- so, but to answer Donna's question, I think it depends on what she's looking for in a relationship. Do you want someone who is a reader or do you want specifically someone who has the exact same taste in books as you? 
You know what I mean? What if that person isn't, doesn't like sci-fi, but is hardcore into fantasy and Mm -hmm. is happy to go to bookstores with you, read alongside you, do bookish stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I think it might be tough to require someone read a whole book before they go on a date with you. Like how, I have also questions like how much time is, (laughs) is Donna giving them? Do they get a week? Do they get a month? I am very interested in the process. Does she require, like, how does she prove it? I'm just thinking, like, remember when we both read that book, Cam Girl, where she would pretend to read the favorite book of guys and, like, the first guy she I don't remember that about that book, but that's so funny. She pretended to read that um, Ready Player One was also her first book and, like, read the first page and, like, a summary and was able to be like, oh, yeah, this happened. I love this part. Oh, my God. You know, like, how how does she verify that they actually Mm, read this book? That's interesting. And I also agree with you. Like, does their opinion on the book weigh in or is it just are they having to read it? Personally, my hot tip with this is what I used to do to figure out what kinds of authors or what I used to do was figure out what kinds of authors people were reading. Uh Uh-huh. Like my, my big thing was if I, if I matched with a guy and he read a lot of female authors and BIPOC and queer authors that told me that doesn't doesn't, we might not necessarily have the same taste. Like maybe he would read a lot of poetry or something or something I don't read a lot of, but more importantly, that meant that we had similar values, which Uh I think is more important in a relationship. Like if I went on a date with a guy and he couldn't, it's like that, that Billy on the street segment name that you a woman. love to quote. Like <laughs> if I went out on a date with a guy who said he read and he couldn't name a female author that he's read, I'd be like, man, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, maybe he would be willing to try. But if someone is reading like all their favorite books, all the books they read are like non-marginalized male authors. To me, that's a potential red flag or mm-hmm. red flag. You get it? Oh, R-E-A-D? Uh, <laughs> because, like, I, I don't necessarily, I don't need someone to be obsessed with haunted house books, but it means something to me if I want to be in a serious relationship with someone that they value social justice and they're trying to yeah. read okay. female authors, BIPOC authors, you know. So depending on what Dawn is looking for, I think that might be a better, like, I, I wonder if Donna picked Ancillary Justice by Anne Lucky specifically because it's a female sci-fi author. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wonder if that is, it's not just Donna's favorite book, but it is a book that specifically has some uh, social justice value attached to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think, Bria, if you could pick, if you had to pick one book that someone would have to read to date you, what would it be? Oh, you're putting me on the spot, Mallory. Um, Here's the thing. I just think it's important for me to have different interests than a lot of the people I date. My, my like partner in this world, I usually have, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of things going. So like, I don't care. They just have to listen to me describe the plots to books, but they don't necessarily have to like, because I, I don't know if uh, my husband has read any books I've read. I mean, we read some of the no, same, same his, we read some of the same history books. That's not true. We read, we'll read history books or like, um, memoirs or uh like we both love the 90s that book the 90s by chuck clusterman oh Um, yeah 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 and then we discussed it but um but yeah i mean it's it's yeah so i don't know i don't i mean maybe now i wouldn't be like you must read i don't know i'm not sure actually because sometimes i'm like well these books are for me and i don't care if you know about them this is like my my inner life um uh do you have one I don't know. I mean, I get, obviously it would be like, it would be like White is for Witching by Helen Oyeyemi or like The Red Tree by Caitlin Kiernan. But 
I will tell you, as someone who has been in a relationship for over four years with someone who has almost the exact same book taste as me, uh, you know, Jeremy reads a little bit more middle grade fantasy and comic books than me. But like, you know, we're, we have the part of the challenge this year where so, you have to pick someone, have someone close to you and you read their favorite book. Like I was talking to Jeremy about this the other day because I've been bugging him all fucking year. And he's like, Mallory, all my favorite books you've already read. I don't know oh which my one God. to pick. So, Maybe you should pick um, a different person. Maybe you need to pick a different person in your quest. I, I think I might have to. I might. But I've also read like some of Lauren's favorite books too. But I will say it doesn't come into play as much as you think it does. The more more important thing is that my cat's like Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> that's really the like that is the end all be all. Like Sailor and Lula, that they marked Jeremy as their dad from day one. It's not necessarily like. It doesn't come up as much as you think it would. It's just that Jeremy and I like being around each other and we like yeah. hanging out with each other. I will um, say, like, I mean, I guess what we're saying is it works both ways. You can like the same books or you cannot. Obviously, this is important to Donna. And, look, it's important to know what's important to you because, like, there's other things yeah. that maybe I find really important but Donna could really give a fuck about, you know? Yeah, and I will say I've dated people who read who were readers but didn't like reading the same things as me. And it was still just, I mean, we got to go to bookstores, hang out, read together. You know, it's not like you're reading the same book at the same time. But have you ever dated someone who didn't like David Lynch? Yeah. Oh, wow. But it didn't work out very well. But <laughs> not because they didn't like David Lynch. I mean, Jeremy is not obsessed with David Lynch like I am. No they, one's Jeremy obsessed with David Lynch was, like you are. <laughs> That's true. My friend Rich always tells me that I, nobody likes things as much as I like them. But that's another, like, nope, I don't know anybody who likes all the stuff that, that I like as much as I do. You know, I have different, fr like, I have friends that are really into powerlifting. Mm -hmm. You know, I have you for all, and Lauren for my bookish stuff. Jeremy and I really like the same types of movies. Like you said, you wanting one person to like all the exact same things as you is kind of a recipe for disaster. I agree. Because I agree. then you... But you're putting all your your eggs in one basket of a person. Um, but yeah, I think Donna, we need some follow up from Donna. We need the process, and we also need. I want to keep updated. I want to yeah. know how these dates are going. I do too. I want to. I want to know if Donna finds someone. Donna, please g give us some follow up. We wish you all the best. Hopefully, some of this advice is helpful, and maybe you'll find a a nice sexy reader to date. So, if you want us to solve your reader problem, whether it's romantic or not, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, maybe you are going on a date and you want to look hot and show that you're bookish. You can buy Reading Glasses merch to do that. Marching up to a date with a Reading Glasses shirt will really show off your values. It'll tell people that you are cool and you like podcasts and you like books and you like being a snappy dresser and there's totes and there's stickers and all kinds of cool stuff over there there's a link in the show notes for that and if you like the show you can rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice and if you are doing it on apple Podcasts, you will help us get closer to the goal of me eating a soap eating a sopapilla <laughs> with bria we are i think 40 something reviews away so wow if 40-something of you go out, get on your phone, use the mobile app of Apple Podcasts, go to the Reading Glasses page and give us a five-star review. We get there. Bri and I are going to go out. Maybe uh, we'll be able to do it sometime in the next few weeks. Who knows? We're going to find out. Um, we would really appreciate it, though. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. reading.